You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Michael Shoemaker. He's talking to me from Menlo Park in California. Michael, thanks so much for being with me today. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Michael, uh, I know you're going to be reading some of your poetry today, but I'd, I'd just like to begin by asking you how, uh, how the last year was for, for you working. Um, it's October 13th in 2021, so we've been in this pandemic for over a year and a half. But, um, yeah, how, how was that in terms of your, your work writing process? Yeah, sure. It's, um, I mean, it's been difficult in a lot of different ways. Uh, but for the writing itself, it's been great. Um, I've had a lot of time to myself to think. And also working from home has given me more time. Uh, also, like my wife and I, we've been fairly lucky considering everybody else's circumstances. So while it's definitely been hard, um, for the writing itself, it's actually been quite a good thing. That's good to hear. Yeah, I mean, that's what, that's what happens, it seems, with, I mean, artists in, you know, a lot of different parts of the, of the world, they, they seem to have gotten a lot done, but everybody had a kind of different lens through which that happened. As a, as a writer, I guess that's a little bit different. You're, were you working on a manuscript uh, as well during that time? Was there something in particular that came out of the last year? Yeah, I have a couple things that I'm working on, two different books. So I was spending a lot of time thinking about both of those. Um, and yeah, I absolutely realize I'm lucky. I have friends who are like performing artists, right? And they're in like the complete opposite situation. Um, you know, how do they how do they participate in the art that they love, you know, when they're being forced to you know, stay away? Right. Right. Everything's shut down for them. And um uh, but you have an upcoming book. Is that Leviathan? That's right. Um, it's uh, That's one of the books that I was just mentioning. Uh, I spent a lot of time thinking about it, uh, wrapping things up over the pandemic. Um, and it's it's a book-length poem. It's a sort of uh, strange reimagining of the book of Job. Well, let's talk about that. I have uh, I, I spent a year actually as a a post-college student hand transcribing the entire book of Job onto huge <laughs> leaves of paper as, as, an, as a kind of an artist project. It was a um, really? Jerusalem Bible translation. Yeah, so, so I kind of, when you, hand, when you hand copy a whole text like that, you kind of study it in a way, you know. It's, it's, yeah, uh, of course. It's, 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 so, so I'm into that book. Um, have, uh, I, I mean, never, don't feel like I really understood anything about that book ultimately because I've read so many interpretations of it. But tell me, yeah, how, how you riffed off that. The book of Job is a tough book, you know, it's about suffering and it's, um, and it's enigmatic, uh, you know, there's many interpretations that are different. How did, how did your work, um, as, as, you know, kind of work, work off of that? Because you have written basically, uh, yeah you know, a huge poem, an epic poem, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's an exceedingly difficult book. Um, and it's one of the first moments in my life that I can remember. At, like, I grew up in a fairly conservative home in East Texas. And it was one of these moments that I can really put my finger on where I started asking hard questions. Um, I have a very vivid memory of me asking my mom, you know, <laughs> uh, after having read the story, 
So you're saying if I died, but then God gave you some other kids, then things would be okay? Like, um, and so I was interested in, so it's a book that's haunted me for a long time um, in wrestling with these different ideas of faith and doubt. Um, but I also became like extremely interested and obsessed about the idea, of course, for Job in the Old Testament, he, ha- he didn't have the figure of Christ to lean on uh, during his suffering. So I was curious about like, what happens if you have a modern-day Job and you do have this figure of Christ to lean on. How does that change things, or does it change things at all? Um, and then I was also very interested in setting it in my home place in East Texas, So it also very quickly became a lot about the people I grew up with and around and a sort of complicated love song to Texas in some ways, too. Yeah, so just to give you... I was just going to just give you a a sort of idea. Like, my version of Job goes by Jay, and he's he's the grandson of a wealthy wildcatter, so from, like, old oil money. Well, that sounds close to what Joe, you know, was, right? He had some tremendous wealth, uh, you know, that was that was taken away. And, and as you say, the, the really one of the tougher things is so were all his kids, right? And um, right. when they talk about they got he got all his wealth back and he got his, of course, new kids back, That's but he didn't get the old kids back, right? Right, right. <laughs> so that's kind of a, an odd one there. So, um, so I'd love to hear um, what you're going to read. What is the first poem you have for us? Well, I was thinking about what to read, and I was realizing that we were coming up on Halloween. I thought I might read a few creepy poems. Um, So I'm going to start with a poem from my book, Penumbra, and it's called La Llorona, which just translates the weeping woman. And the part of Texas that I grew up in, it wouldn't have been uncommon uh, to be told the sort of boogeyman story about La Llorona, the sort of like warning story you give kids, you know, if you're bad at night, La Llorona might show up and, and take you away. Um, and for those who are unfamiliar with the folk tale, there's a lot of different versions of it. Um, but basically, a woman falls in love with a man, but she has children, uh, and she feels like the man is interested, but not so much in the children. <laughs> And so she drowns the children to be with the man. But then, of course, the man leaves her anyway. And totally wrecked, then she drowns herself. And she's sort of doomed to walk the earth looking for her kids. Poems La Llorona. She hears a voice across the water. And weeping to remember, gowned in gray, She can't recall her daughter. Her candle wavers on the altar. They say that she was never found. She hears a voice. Across the water, the trees harbor a darker weather. An oarless rowboat runs aground and drifts again. And like her daughter, she wades into the drowsy river stone-pocketed, without a sound. She hears a voice beneath the water that lingers like a lover's. Laughter, almost, 
but softer, colder, drowned by the shy whimpering of a daughter who understands that what comes after is like the weeping of a wound. She hears the voice, her only daughter. They'll drag her body from the water. Thank you. Um, that's um, yeah. That's 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 a little more than just creepy for Halloween, right? That's uh, that's very that's very powerful. Yeah, that's very powerful and and and, and dark and intense, of course. Um, you know, something that that I guess I mean just because you mentioned Halloween and 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 something something creepy, Halloween doesn't usually get that deep, right? We it's about death. It's about you know, kind of spirits, I, I guess. But um, but right, we rarely we rarely go that that deep. I think, or 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 not in the culture I grew up in. I don't know what it was like. Oh no, no, Texas. mine either. It's you know, it's <laughs> probably my favorite holiday. But yeah, you're absolutely right. I think um, maybe because of the sort of um, I don't know, Puritan roots of our culture, like we're a little bit afraid to get beyond the superficial sort of approach to the holiday. Yeah. But there's so much of it that I think attaches to like a deep human experience um, and the sort of fears that we carry around every day um, that we don't like to talk about. So true. And uh, yeah, so beautiful, beautiful poem. And, And that was from Penumbra, correct? Yes, that's right. And I and I, I want to ask you again because I I asked you just before we started talking, but the image on the cover of Penumbra is very striking. Um, it's it's kind of a, a multiple exposure of what looks like kind of an angel rising, uh, a kind of collaged photograph. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's a photograph that I've loved for a really really long time. Like one of those things that you fall in love with something then have a dream of it being on your cover. But it's a photograph by a photographer named Vincent Serban, whose work I absolutely love. I think he works in upstate New York. Um, I highly re- recommend looking him up. And um, I'd love to hear another poem. I know you have two more. What are you reading next? Um, I'm going to read one more poem from Penumbra. It's the, it's the last poem of the book. And I hope the book's about a lot of things, but certainly one of the, the main obsessions that run through it is this sort of wrestling with faith and doubt, uh, especially through like the different brands of Christianity that I was raised in. And um, my grandfather on my dad's side, he used to tell this story about a, a preacher he had in West Texas, Coleman, Texas, that was struck by lightning twice. And he he would always mention him whenever I was being kind of whiny about my day, like, you know, things were so rough for me. And then he would kind of mention this guy that, well, at least you haven't been struck by lightning twice. And it was this, wow. this, character, <laughs> this character that always stuck with me. Um, but I was just so fascinated by the idea, like, what does that do to one's theology when you've been struck by lightning twice, right? Um, and so I wrote this poem, and it's sort of, it's a persona poem, and it's my imagining of what this preacher might sound like. Uh, and it's called The End of the Sermon. 
I came to in the middle of the pasture. Rain ticked against the tractor's hood and steam coiled above the chassis. Thunder plowed into the distance where the clouds obscured the day's remaining light. It was a Sunday. I'd preached on perseverance, on Paul's thorn, and afterward had hoped to mow the thistle before the storm. I don't recall much more than that. Only the distant scent of rain, the way the thistle sloughed its seed beneath the blade, the hackles rising on my neck before the strike, I also don't recall. Before that afternoon, I'd often answer when asked about my calling, how I'd known. Some men are drawn to heaven, others heaven won't leave alone. And so I stay indoors. I count in Mississippi's the slow seconds between retreating thunders, skim the last chapters of Revelation to forget the trying absence of that pasture, time I lost, until I finally nod off. But even in my sleep, I see the pasture. In the persistent dream, I'm looking out the attic dormer, where, beyond the fence line, a narrow stand of long-leaf pine sways under the gathering clouds, when, only just, before I turn away, a bright shank strikes the tallest of the farthest trees. It leans, and since I am removed behind the glass, since all is still, it falls in utter silence. Who knows the awful mind of our Creator? I've seen that pine fall every night since then, and every night I fail to hear the voice inside that quiet. But what is there to hear? I'm through with prayer. Please don't misunderstand. I only mean to say that had you woke like me, nameless and shivering in the rain, you might consider what you're asking for, the steep price of briefly becoming light. I came to in the middle of the pasture. The tractor idled in the slackening rain. I didn't dream, or else I don't remember. I spoke a single word. There was no answer. Thank you. Oh, yeah, you so much, Michael. Yeah, that's a that's a great poem, and uh, yeah, and what a vision, you know, just that kind of vision, and also this, you know, as as seems to be something we've touched on before, this these issues with with faith and and, and questioning it, and and how you were raised seems to seems to you know color that poem and and so much of of what you were saying. Um, so, I, I mean, b- before we go, I I. I feel like I should ask you a little bit more about what's upcoming. You said it was a number of different like characters and stories. Um, you know the the book that is slated to be out in 2023. 
Is there anything you want to say about that before we go? I mean, I, I feel like I'm going to turn off the recording, and then we're going to start chatting about the book of Job, and I'm going to wish I had it on here. Um, so, you know, that's, it, it, it's such an unusual subject to tackle, and the way you're doing it, and, and, as, and as you're saying, it is also so difficult, and we're coming out of this pandemic year, which seems kind of like, you know, uh, that's 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 part of Job's question, right? Why are, why are we suffering in this way? You know, and, 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 right. um, and whose fault is it? <laughs> whose fault is it? Uh, you know, and so um, yeah. Is there anything else you want to you want to say about that? Because that seems so interesting. I'm so excited to 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 hear more about that book and to and to read that. Uh, but anything you want to say about that in terms of you could be just plugging it, or, or we could just talk. Uh, about that that idea, which seems uh, yeah so timely. Yeah, no, um, of course it's all still very very close to me. Uh, the poem is right now, although I've been working on it for probably close to a decade at this point. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure where where to go with that, other than it's certainly like working on it during the pandemic certainly rarefied my lens and how I was thinking about suffering. Also, I have people extremely close to me in my life who suffer on a different level than I suffer. Um, And thinking about them and their experiences and also their beliefs that they keep close to their chest. Um, I think that these are things that we all carry and that we all think about. And like I said earlier, sometimes we're afraid, we're afraid to talk about. Um, but I think it's a very deep and human thing. I think so too. Thanks for, thanks for saying that. I, I want to ask you one more question, which is what are you reading at the moment? Uh, well, not strangely, I'm reading uh, Robert Alter's translation of the Book of Job, and I'm also reading a collection of poems by Michael Torres called An Incomplete List of Names, which I highly recommend. Michael, I want to thank you so much for talking to me today. I, I wish you well with the upcoming book. Um, those links here if people want to learn more. And um, again, thank you so much for your, your time. Oh, no, thank you for having me. It was my pleasure. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more.